0: Oh and welcome to Words Fail Me, a podcast about thriving with dyslexia. My name is Juma McGowan, I'm an actor and I'm a writer and I'm now a podcaster and I've worked predominantly in theatre, TV, film. I've just done two years on Hollyoaks and I'm very excited to start this podcast and to talk to the guests that we have. This podcast is to support the incredible work of the Dyslexia Foundation. Their mission is to unlock the full potential of children and adults with dyslexia so that they can succeed and contribute fully to society. Now, they do incredible work. They test any adult off the street and teach them to read for free. Everything is free at the point of use. So, my guest today is the record-breaking captain of Harlequins, Chris Robshaw. As an England captain, he is the all-time leader in the professional era with 43 caps for England. Chris spent 15 years with Harlequins, and since we recorded the pod, he signed with San Diego Legion in America. I really enjoyed chatting with Chris. He's a very articulate, very down-to-earth, very humble dude with a very interesting relationship to his dyslexia. What fascinated me about talking to Chris is that he's an athlete. Predominantly, you'll find lots of people with dyslexia are very creative-minded, and to have a sportsman uh, with an incredibly illustrious career like Chris, the perspective he can bring to having dyslexia I think it'd be really empowering to young people to hear the struggles that he had and the skills he had to develop in order to get through school and to really become the successful athlete that he, he became. Speaking to Chris was wonderful. He's so easy to talk to. He's a very engaging person. He's a great communicator. That's, that's always been something all of his coaches have all said about him, is that he is a great communicator and you can hear for yourself. Chris talks a lot in this episode about not fearing failure and how much putting yourself out there, and even if you are going to fall flat on your face, giving it a go is so important. And he has a really um, beautiful message for people struggling with dyslexia at the end of our conversation, which I really, really liked. So we recorded this pod at the height of lockdown. Since then, obviously, things have slowly started to get back to normal. But just for context, because we do talk about uh, lockdown life a little bit at the start of the pod. So here it is, guys. I really hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed talking to Chris. This is my talk with Chris Robshaw. Chris, thank you so much for agreeing to um, to come and speak to me today. Uh, Welcome. Talk me through what's going on. How's life in this crazy, crazy time?
1: Yeah, pleasure to join you. Um, You know what? It's, it's been okay. I'm, I'm lucky. I don't have, I don't have many kind of old relatives. No pregnant misses. All this type of thing. Yeah. So again, it's, it's allowed me to to take stock and do a little bit of training at home. Of course, it's it's terrible. You see, you see the impact it's having on people's health, the country, the economy, all that stuff. But from a personal point of view, it's allowed me just to. Almost slow down a little bit, um, like I said, train at home, yeah, and just relax a bit more. I think that was that was the initial bit. I think now I'm pretty bored and pretty restless, and and can't wait to get going again. <laughs> but no, it's from a from a personal point of view, it's it's not been too bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, I should imagine for you, life is pretty hectic. You know, when you when you're in season, it's all it all must be go 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 go, and it's it's been that way for for years. Yeah, very much.
1: Exactly why the, the initial bit was was kind of allowed me to switch off because, like you said, you're playing week to week. Your body's always sore. You're a bit banged up. You're yeah. going from meetings to training to dinners, whatever it be. And when you get home, I'm always one of those people who likes to be on the move, likes to do things. And this forced me actually just to sit still and take stock, which, again, for, for years I've, I've not really done. Yeah. I've read more books than I've read in. Over the last five years. <laughs> it's allowed me just to have some good time at home. Like everyone else, trying to do a bit of DIY barbecues a lot. And just, yeah, trying to make the most of a of a bad situation.
0: Yeah. So what have you been reading out of curiosity? Uh,
1: more autobiographies. I, I tend to quite enjoy them. We've got a coach called Sean Long, who's a bit of a, a wild man from the rugby league side. So I read his just to get a bit of dirt on him, <laughs> which he provided quite willingly in that book. Uh, that was entertaining yeah and I've read a kind of various other autobiographies but yeah all 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 quite good natured and all kind of things which I try and learn from I think if you can take kind of one or two things from from certain books and try to put it into your game try and influence it I'm trying to read Stephen Gerrard's book at the moment um and seeing what you can learn from a legend like that oh
0: yeah so what was your journey like to learning to read
1: yeah, look, for, for me as a, as a kid and as a, a young lad, I was I was very, very dyslexic. I was confused. I was frustrated. Um, all these things kind of going on. I remember one of my biggest fears as a kid was when you would all be reading a book and then you would have to stand up and read a sentence and then it would go to the next person, next oh. person. And I used to dread this when this was coming around. The worst And I I think from that moment there to where now in terms of talking in meetings, to speaking at dinners in front of a thousand people, I I recently, or about a couple of years ago, I actually did a reading and I was in between Dawn French and Olivia Colman. Wow. (laughs) And then you're kind of reading alongside people like that, who's, it's their job and their profession to to be kind of on like that. Yes. And I think if I could see myself back then to where I've got to now, I would have been, been amazed with it. and I think like, like a lot of people with dyslexia, it's it's not an easy passage. It's not an easy path to to go down. And it's not a sudden click of the fingers and you're from there to there. No. It's working continuously on it when you don't want to. Because I'm sure like you as a kid, I used to... I used to really struggle with school it was difficult for me yes I would have to be doing extra lessons in break times after school when all your mates are out playing sport and having having a laugh and it's difficult isn't it at the time you don't see the, the work people are putting into you but I think looking back now I'm so grateful for those teachers parents whatever who, who stuck with you and, and helped you get to where you are now
0: oh yeah oh yeah I mean horrendous I remember being taken out of class and at that age or at that age that formative age where you want to be like everybody else but you sort of, you do also want to be an individual and to have that time taken out and to feel, I mean, personally, I felt a degree of shame because it was because I was, I knew I was behind, you know, I knew I was behind in maths. I knew I was behind in, in my reading. And it's, even at that time, I was, I think at that age, I was eight. I, uh, I wasn't computing because I was like, I can understand I'm intelligent. It's not that I'm stupid, you know, so why is it I'm being taken out of class? So I completely empathised with that. Is it strictly words that that were, were the issue for you, or, or like me, was it was it about maths? Uh,
1: maths I was okay. Um, it was yeah the, the reading, and writing side of things, uh, absorbing the information. Yeah, and again it was that you had to work that bit harder than, than most other people and actually really really try and focus as best you can. And and it was, like I said, a tough time and <laughs> luckily I haven't had to go back to the classroom too much in, in my kind of career. Yeah. But there are, there are still things which even now I get kind of conscious about in terms of I'm happy to present and all that stuff. But in terms of writing on the whiteboard, I don't want to write potentially in case I get words wrong. And you always have that little bit of, not fear, but kind of, oh, I'm still not quite where I want to be and I still have some work to do.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. So what was it like when, when you discovered that you had an aptitude, that you had a, this talent, this gift for for rugby? Was that a, a relief? Because you were like, oh, well, if I can do this, then I don't have to rely on my, you know, my words or, or maths or what have you.
1: Yeah, a little bit. For me, sport, not, not just rugby, I was. I played quite a number of sports as a youngster and then as I got a bit older, I kind of filtered more into the rugby, got a bit bigger, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But for me, sport gave me confidence. It was made from the classroom. Mm. But in saying that, it gave me that, that confidence to go back in there and, and try new things and challenge. And, and I, whenever I speak to people with dyslexia, it's finding whatever that is that gives you that happiness, that escape, yes. that confidence to think you know what, I can give it, and there we go, I'm willing to go and do it, because you need that support, you need that happiness as well.
0: You do, absolutely you do, and full disclosure, I um, I went to school with, uh, with Chris's um, wife, Camilla, yep. and um, I found that thing acting for me, and we were doing, I remember we were doing a play in year seven, um, we were doing Twelfth Night, and from that moment, I realized it's all I wanted to do in my life, and having that passion, and having something that you know, I knew I was exceptional at, I knew I was arguably one of the best in, in my class and that really gave me, that really inspired me to, to keep going, to push through, because I had something that I needed to be better at, words in particular, with. But surely, surely that's a
1: massively challenging thing, kind of learning lines and remembering that, or does that going easy for you? Because for me, that would be a, a big struggle, that would be tough.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a muscle. At the end of the day, and I found yes, there was there was a period when when that was tough, but when I got to drama school and you, the stakes were so high, you know, you had to get that text down for that log or that scene or whatever it was, and by the end of it, it was it was such a supple muscle, you know, I could I could learn a piece of text like a page long piece of dialogue easy in about an hour forty five minutes, and that was just because of that was just repetition, but I I think and I don't know if, if you feel the same way. Feeling like an underdog actually really helped me, because I I knew I was like I'm gonna have to work harder than everybody else here to get this to get this learnt or to be as good as I can be, and that means you you put in more work. Was that something that that you had that you took into into rugby?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think with with being an underdog, we we all kind of like it, and it's potentially a bit easier at times. It takes a bit of pressure off you. Yeah. Uh, whether that's kind of in the sporting world or any, any other thing, that it doesn't. It's a, it's a different type of pressure and it allows you to go out there with, without the fear factor, which can be daunting, it can give people anxiety, it can give people proper struggles. Um, and it's trying to find that balance, isn't it?
0: Yeah, totally. Being relaxed in anything is obviously is is huge and, and really conducive to you doing your best. So conversely, how do you feel like dyslexia has helped you? How oh, do I feel dyslexia has helped me? Yeah. Um, I,
1: I feel it's it's giving me a, a better way of understanding things when people don't necessarily grasp things straight away. Yes, because you get a lot of kind of coaches who will continue to say the same message over and over again, just a little bit louder until you get it. yeah, and that that's not the the right way for a lot of people. and I'm not sure in your profession but in in kind of in sport, there's a number of guys who will learn in the in the meeting rooms when we talk through plays, but then there'll be the other half of the guys who actually have to go through the move. They can see their position on a thing on a a whiteboard or a PowerPoint, whatever like that. But until they've actually jogged through it and actually had that kind of physical repetition of it, it's it's a struggle for them to get in. So we we're lucky we have some good coaches that kind of test themselves and use different methods to get people's attentions. We we do little things like priming the brain before meetings. It's a it's a bit of fun. It's a bit of a get everyone kind of active and and ready for the day where we'll just have a quick, quick five quiz or we'll play, you know, where's Wally on the whiteboard with the team who we're playing with some of their faces on and, and little things like this, just to sharpen the mind and just get your attention straight away.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love all that. I love that. You know, we are recognizing that there are many different forms of intelligence. Uh, and it's all about, if, if you're to bring a team together of, of people, whether it's, you know, a rugby team or whether it's a cast in, in, in my experience, everyone is different and the, the best directors or i would assume coaches are those who can recognize all the disparate talents that everyone has and the way they learn and process information and then bringing them together is that is that something that you feel like do you want to get into when 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 all this is over because this is your last season sadly
1: yeah um
0: could be could be your last season
1: it, it could be um yeah no, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure in terms of that kind of coaching role. i think to I think in terms of captaincy, leadership and that dyslexia thing it gives you that empathy for people Yes, and I think empathy is a, a massive thing in understanding people and how do you get the best out of it yeah there's some people who you do need to give a, a good telling off pulling more than not <laughs> and there's other people who might not be getting it who you need to just put an arm around and think how can we help this person Yeah. so it is look, there's, there's been people on both sides of that who I've had to deal with and, and likewise and how do you get the best out of them in terms of will I coach I'm not sure like i said i think to be a good coach you've got to really love that and you've got to be willing to do it every day time and time again and i'm sure i will do elements of coaching yeah but i'm not sure if that will be my uh full-time profession because look we, we we enjoy our careers we have a, a great career but it's only the start and you get to about this age a little bit later on and you have to go find that second career uh whatever that'd be traditionally back in the day a lot of harlequins players were i am, would go into the city all that kind of stuff and it's now we actually have someone whose role is to help guys get jobs in the future and help guys off the field. There's nothing to do with rugby. That's great. But if it's a younger guy doing a university degree to an older guy doing a bit of work experience or connecting them with a field he wants to go in, um, it's brilliant that clubs are caring about outside of it because I've been lucky I've gone to a, a good age. But there are some guys who we we're the guy who left or retired about 24 recently. Oof, that's rough. So all of a sudden then there's a lot of guys at different stages of their life, different kind of levels. So you need to try and help everyone as best as possible.
0: Do you feel like um, the difficulty you had as a dyslexic when you were younger, did that increase your ability to empathize with other people? Yeah, I think it did. And
1: I think look, I was I was in a wave where there was, uh, and and in sport, as you can probably imagine, there, there's a number of people who who do suffer with dyslexia. Oh yeah. And knowing almost you've been through that path together, you you know and, and share kind of similar similar things which work, similar things which they don't like to do or do like to do, and again, it's, it's just having that empathy with them and that understanding of them. And I think you look at teams when you've done well and and whatever else, there's a there's a real unity between it, no matter if people have dyslexia or not. Oh yeah. It's that kind of full full understanding of how, how do we move this place forward and, and getting everyone to buy into it. Yes. And I think for everyone to buy into it, you all need to understand what you're trying to buy into. Yeah. So if if some people aren't understanding that or some people aren't grasping that forward because it's been presented badly or if it's it's them and themselves, it's it's a hindrance to the side.
0: Have there been many like teammates that, that you've you've gone, oh yeah, 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 this guy is dyslexic? because it's funny, like researching this podcast. You know, you you, you put feelers out to see who to see who might or might not be dyslexic. And there are some people you're like, of course they are, like Paul Merson, ex um, Arsenal midfielder. You can see straight away that, you know, he's he's dyslexic because he would have been that disruptive element in a classroom and sometimes he was obviously in it with his teammates because you know, he's not potentially able to process information like everybody else. So yeah, it was it was it was anybody in teams that, that you've worked in and you've gone, oh yeah, 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 you must be.
1: Um there are no massive giveaway traits, I would say, but there are a number of kind of close friends and people in whether that's in England or at Queens who I know are, are dyslexic and you you could probably tell because when we do kind of team challenges and whatever else like that and team bonding things, when there's a math a mass question or riddle that we have to answer, we all kind of filter to the back <laughs> yeah. and let let the the guys who, who don't struggle so much kind of get us through that aspect and then we'll we'll join in again.
0: So you talked about being you know, being helped at school by my parents and teachers. Were your parents
1: dyslexic? No, um, not, not dyslexic. My, my little brother is dyslexic as well. Yeah, my parents, the parents not, but they were, they were good at identifying or getting someone to identify early and, and taking the right right kind of precautions. I was, I was struggling at my school I was at, um, and they found a school which kind of specialised in both sport and dyslexia, and, and it was kind of the perfect combination for me.
0: I mean, that's, that's ideal. So um, are, there, are there situations where you, you feel like your dyslexia is triggered more than, more than usual?
1: I, I feel for myself like when I train, when I play, if I have to function down that kind of a presentation in, the, in a room, talking at a dinner, these type of things. I feel as long as I've prepared well and know what I'm doing, I'm confident in my abilities. Yes. Whether that be in terms of going for a test, in terms of academic stuff, to playing in front of 80,000 people at Twickenham. As long as I'm prepared and ready, I am confident in what I can bring to the party and, and it and it's knowing that. And for me now, even like I said, if I do have to do a reading, it's practicing that, it's becoming comfortable with it, it's knowing roughly what you're gonna say and and um the way you're doing it and, and also never be afraid of learning. Yeah. We we continually get put on things to make us and courses and stuff like that to make us comfortable in uncomfortable situations to put you out of your comfort zone. So it helps further you as a person, as a player. Amazing. We've done some stuff from acting to public speaking courses to comedy clubs to army days and, and all these type of things. And it's just kind of building up something to continue to further you as a person. Because as soon as you stop, other people will overtake it and go along that
0: way. Wow. So is, is that all provided for at Quinn's?
1: Yeah, so there's there's been a number of things provided and a lot provided by Quinns, Inland as well. Oh yeah, various things as well. Again, because they want to they want to bring you as a group closer together. Are we at Harlequins when I was a bit younger, we ate, went to a we went to a pub in Richmond, and like the, the leadership group, so there's probably about eight of us went there, and we worked with a comedian for kind of the whole day. We were working on ad libs, just relaxing, getting out your comfort zone. So, yeah. But we had to design a two-minute comedy skit. <laughs> and then that evening, the rest of your team would come, have some beers, and you would be the entertainment, basically. And it was a bit of a team bonding, yeah. a bit of testing their senior guys. And I've never been so daunted in my life. I think doing that, I like playing in front of how many people. Yeah. But, yeah, doing that, I was so scared. And I had one joke which went well, which was, I didn't realize I was dyslexic till I went to a toga party dressed as a goat. <laughs> <laughs> And as you can nice. see, you probably get the backs. You get it, and all the the front row right forwards going straight over the head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that is that's amazing, and I'm sure invaluable for you as well, because it's obviously like you know, in your formative part of your life from your from your teens to you know twenties to now, you're in your thirties, and to have opportunities like that to expand yourself as an actor myself, like, the the bigger the challenge, I found the more daunting it it was, the more rewarding it was, and the more I was expanded. As a performer, by it, and it's it's a real it's tough because you know there's that real human desire to shy away from anything which is stressful or something you might think might be potentially embarrassing. But if you can come away as you did with even just one joke, it's something that does it. it opens you up. It expands you.
1: Oh, massively! Like I, I still remember today that there was a number of guys who I still remember who they are, who pulled out of that, who claimed they were sick, who claimed they were just happened to be sick conveniently that day and they were fine the rest of it and little things like this which which again then you get to know about your team you get to know about what people are really like that's a tough situation no one wanted to do it but afterwards you think you know what i'm glad i've challenged myself i'm glad i've even if i made a fool of myself it's those stories and, and that's the type of thing in those type of team environments where Yes, you might get a bit of stick here and there, and I'm sure some of us did. But it brings everyone close together, and it's it's all kind of heartfelt fun. Yeah it's not malicious, it's not like that and we're trying to help each, each other grow so it is, it really is and, and for these people who, who are struggling with, with dyslexia and stuff to continue to try stuff And but I'm, I'm trying to do a bit of French at the moment, that's my next, next thing because I um, struggle with language massively as a kid Yeah. Uh, but like I said my wife speaks it a bit and it would be nice just to know the odd phrase when you go on holiday and stuff, don't get me wrong I don't think I'm going to come back fluent or anything <laughs> but it would be nice just to just to have a couple of sentences or phrases that you can go into a shop or order in a restaurant or or something like this and for me that that's that next thing and things come up and go and whether that stays i'm not sure but yeah it's it's always looking to to have a bit of fun with we're trying to further yourself
0: yeah absolutely and not being afraid of failure is that is that big thing is if you're lucky enough to be in a um a situation with a team or or you know a cast in in my experience where failure is not viewed as that it's viewed as you know it's it's just something you tried it didn't come off but something else might might come off if you if you just pick yourself up and go again is that what you found with people not necessarily really successful teammates of yours but people who are who are good teammates people who who help help the energy of the team are they the people who throw themselves in even if you know it might not come off
1: yeah I think so you have a a number of guys who who aren't scared of it no matter what the kind of repercussions and and if they are, they don't show it. They, they're fearless with their approach. They're the ones who are willing to learn in, in numerous ways. And whether that's in our field, it's it's doing the little things. And and for me, I'm a massive believer. And I have this phrase which goes, "What are you doing when no one's watching?" Yes. How are you kind of developing? How are you training? How are you playing? Because look, when you get to England or when you get to Queens and you've got loads of coaches helping you, with the sunshine shining like it is now, it's easy to train. It's easy to eat well. It's easy to do your recovery. But when you get to the middle of January and it's wet and cold out there, are you still doing your ice baths? Are you stretching? Are you still training as hard? Are you still eating as well? Little things like this do add up. And you generally find the guys who, who go a bit further tend to do that.
0: So what advice would you give to someone struggling – with dyslexia so, uh, be it whether they're young or whether they've they've just been diagnosed
1: uh what i say? I, th- I think stick with it um b- because i don't think especially if you're young you, you probably don't see the work and the benefits which people are putting into you at the moment mm. if you continue to do little bits here and there continue to try and push yourself to further yourself i guarantee you that later in life you'll see the you'll see the rewards and root the rewards massively it's not going to be an easy, easy pass, and it's not going to be a, a click of the fingers. But I think if if you want to get anywhere in, in life, whether that's sport, acting, business, whatever it be, you you have to work hard. There are no shortcuts, and this unfortunately is another thing where you do have to put the time in and uh, surround yourself with good people who are also going to help you get there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because that is the thing about it. It does. Um, it takes a lot of people to help a child with special needs, like dyslexia. And I completely echo what you were saying in that I'm very grateful to those people for taking that time. At the time, I was completely overwhelmed and felt like, oh, what's the point? I'm never going to get it. But the people are out there who will help you. And it's invaluable, the help they can give you.
1: Yeah, very much so. It's just, it's finding them, isn't it? It's finding also the way you learn. We all learn in different ways. And it's about understanding what what is best for you, is it? Is it reading? Is it being interactive with someone? Is it watching something? Is it listening? I mean there are, there are so many different methods. Find out what works for you and, and try and involve that into into whether it's your homework or studies if, if that's where you are.
0: Yeah. And and what was your journey to finding how you learn? Was was there was there a particular moment or was it a confluence of things coming together where you were like, Okay, no, this is this is how I'm gonna learn at my best?
1: I think for me I'm definitely a practical person, especially in my I know it's it's a lot easier in the field I'm in mean, compared to if someone was in a I don't know in some sort of business, and and that helps me massively. Being able to go through things, being able to kind of talk as you do, and be practical learners, but also repetition, repetition of whether it is talking, whether it is going through drills. Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, and practice, and I, I mean even the, even the night before games, I like to go over kind of the moves in my head, I like to be confident in it, know exactly what's to do.
0: It's just about having that kind of key reminder every now and then. I'm completely the same way. Repetition is my friend. Absolutely. Working over things, giving myself the confidence in just going over things. How do you prep yourself for a game? Is it the same? Is it repetition um, that makes you feel relaxed?
1: Yeah, it is. uh, It's it's knowing you've done the work, knowing you've had a good hit out in the body. I think you get unsure when you haven't trained a week, and then you might only do one training because you've got a, a bit of a knock or something. So again, it's making sure the body's used to it. It's up to the speed, and then it's confident in your ability. You've been doing this for a long time. You've been on big stages. You, you've done it week to week for an, a number of years. Yeah, and it's kind of just getting back out there again. It's always it's always a bit unsure that kind of first or second game when you're just when you've been off for the whole summer and then you're back into it. And I'm sure now when we go back into it, if we do go back into it, it'll be a bit of a surreal feeling. But as soon as you get that kind of first hit or tackle or carry or whatever it is, you're you're straight into it again and it's just kind of that muscle memory comes back
0: I'm sure it will I mean as a sports fan myself I'm gagging for it to come back I'm an Arsenal fan like yourself but you know God knows when that's going to get back into, um, into the way it was but uh, is there any talk about rugby being played behind closed doors as, as they're talking about in their premiership here
1: yeah, look, that's that's what they want to try and get to. Yeah. Of course we have the, and they're looking to hopefully try and get us back into some sort of socially distanced training in the next week or two in kind of small groups where you're kind of spread across the pits doing a bit of running, uh doing weights potentially. So they're working on those possibilities. But of course we are a very kind of contact sport and you look at like a scrum or a mall or something like that, you potentially got kind of fourteen to eighteen guys in a scrum and stuff and in a mall going and wrestling sweaty all that kind of stuff so yeah there's there's definitely i'm sure a couple of hurdles we've got to jump and we've got to make sure are, are safe for all the guys before we before we go back into it so look i think clubs are hopeful i think obviously they, they want to get something going at some point but we need to know it's safe and the responsible thing to do
0: yeah you know i'm i'm really hopeful that you're back at it, mate.
1: Yeah, look, it, it will be at some point. It's just seeing when.
0: Chris, you've been you've been wonderful. It's been so great to talk to you. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
1: My absolute pleasure.
0: You have been listening to Words Fail Me, a podcast about thriving with dyslexia, with me, Jim McGowan My guest was rugby player Chris Robshaw. There are more conversations in this series. Just search Words Fail Me, a podcast about thriving with dyslexia, And subscribe wherever you find podcasts. And if you want to support the charity or access its services, go to dyslexia help.org.